the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. I'm saved. I'm saved no more to suffer loss. You're saved like that criminal on the cross, or you're like the other guy. And here's the good news. He loves you today just like that criminal on the cross, and he wants to give you what he gave him on that day. Welcome to The Barnabas Effect with Paul Purvis, Senior Pastor of Mission Hill Church, a multicultural, multi-generational, multiplying church focused on shining the light and love of Jesus like a city on a hill. You're invited to visit any of the three locations in Temple Terrace and Tampa. For information and locations, visit missionhill.org. That's missionhill.org. Now, with today's message, here's Pastor Paul Purvis. Take your copy of God's Word and turn to Luke 23. Open your Bible to Luke 23. In just a moment, we will be in verse 32. Last week, we started talking about the things that Jesus said from the cross. There's seven recorded statements that were really those last words before his death. Now, we know the full story. He didn't stay dead. He was buried. He rose again. He lives today. Praise the Lord. But these last statements that Jesus made are impactful. And one of the things they teach us is that he understands us. He knows what we're going through. He gets us. Last week we started with that first saying. Do you remember what it was? Jesus, having been beaten, nailed to a cross. Looked at all within his sphere, and he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And what did we learn? We learned that Jesus knows what it's like to feel hurt. He gets your pain. And, and I recognize we come into a hospital today. That's what church is, a a hospital for broken sinners, right? This is not a museum for saints. So if that's what you're looking for, you're in the wrong place. But in this hospital for sinners, we've got all kinds of pain, pain like Jesus felt on that day. He felt physical pain. And some of you, even members of my family, you live with that daily and it's debilitating. And usually that even leads to emotional pain. But some of you are struggling just with emotional pain and maybe even a mental illness and I'm confident that all of those emotions that were part of the human nature of Jesus were being felt that day on the cross. He understood relational pain because he looked down and his disciples were gone. Those that he had spent three years investing in, they were not with him. And you've been abandoned. You've been stabbed in the back. He felt the insults. You've been cut down and hurt. And then Jesus felt spiritual pain. As we'll eventually see, he felt even separated from God. And maybe you do today. And the good news in all of that is that he gets 
you. Now, the truth is, that thing that all of us can relate to is that pain that we felt somehow as we've been hurt by others. We were taught as children, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. And it didn't take long for us to learn that that was a lie. Because we got our feelings hurt, and we begin to think, oh, my, they hurt my feelings. And, and that continues throughout life. Almost 30 years in ministry, I could name names if I would. Uh, people that keep moving from church to church to church because they got their feelings hurt. I could give examples in my life of things I've done that have caused hurt feelings and the way my feelings have been hurt. So the fact that Jesus speaks into our hurt, that's a big deal. And what Jesus was teaching us in that simple statement, he was saying that when you've experienced hurt by others, if you want peace, the pathway to peace is always going to involve personal forgiveness. You, you can't get from hurt to peace without walking through forgiveness. I, ho I hope you discovered that. And if you weren't here last week or haven't heard that truth, I hope maybe just that tidbit helped you. Today we look at the second statement, and I can really relate here. Maybe you can. Do you ever feel unworthy? Do you ever walk into a room like this, a, a church building, and think, man, I hope nobody knows what I did this week. Or, man, should I even be here? You've heard my story, a lot of you. I'm blessed. I, I grew up in a Christian home, had the best mom and dad, and I was taught the things of God. But I'm a sinner. Just in my story, most of the worst things I've done came not only after I was a follower of Christ, I became a follower of Christ at a young age, like young Evan, who was baptized in this baptistry in our last service. A lot of my worst decisions came after I had surrendered to the ministry and was serving God as a pastor. And I can remember moments where, man, I just thought, can I even go on? I'm, I'm so unworthy. I'm not even qualified anymore. And I reluctantly confess to you, I know what, it's, I know what it feels like not even to want to live. So when I see the encounter that we're about to read... I can relate. Because in this moment of death, we have a deathbed conversation and a deathbed conversion. And the Son of God, Jesus Christ, speaks hope and life into a criminal. And when I see that, I'm reminded that He sees me. And that He sees you. That He gets us. So let me remind you of the context. Jesus had been betrayed by a friend. He had been um, falsely accused by religious people. <laughs> so I'm having fun too today, so let's just go out on a limb. How many of you on those first two can relate to Jesus? You've either been betrayed or you've been hurt by religious people. Yeah, he gets you. And some of you are lucky. You couldn't raise your hand on that. So he's betrayed. He's been hurt by religious people. And then the government, he gets in trouble with the government. 
the Roman officials, right? There's a kangaroo court, we would call it, where they try him, but it's a joke. And they even know it. They, they even tell us it's a joke. And then he's placed into the hands of the guard. So he's beaten. He's whipped. They plucked his beard hairs. They, they took a crown of thorns, and they pressed it upon his head so hard that he began to bleed. And then they pressed upon his shoulders the, the big wide beam of the cross and made him carry it through the streets of Jerusalem during a time of celebration. We live in Tampa. It would be as if you're walking through downtown Tampa in the midst of Gasparilla to a public execution. Jerusalem was a Jewish city. They were celebrating Passover. Probably many of them longing for what the Israelites had experienced with freedom from the Egyptians because now they were under the tyranny of Rome. He gets to the place of the skull. And it's changing. But up until the last few years, you could look at this side of the mountain and see why they called it the place of the skull. It's one of the many places where the Roman government would crucify, as I've mentioned, maybe 30,000 citizens a year. They nailed his hands to the crossbeam. They nailed his feet to the other part of the cross, and then they planted it in the ground. That's where we pick up our story. Verse 32, Luke 23. Two others who were criminals were led away to be put to death with him. And when they came to the place that is called the skull, there they crucified him and the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. It's important as we continue the story, but I reminded you that this is in the language, in the imperfect tense, which implies he continues to say this. So while we have it printed once, he would have been hanging on the cross. Taking those deep breaths as you have to take when your lungs have been punctured. And you're crying out, Father, forgive them. Father, forgive them. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. So the guards, they cast lots to divide his garments, and and the people stood by watching, but the rulers scoffed at him, saying, He saved others, let him save himself. If he's the Christ of God, in other words, Christ means Messiah, if he is the Messiah, the one of God, he claims to be his chosen one, the, the soldiers also mocked him, coming up and offering him sour wine and saying, If you're the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was also... An inscription. There was even a sign that they had put on Jesus' cross that said, This is the King of the Jews. One of the criminals who hanged there railed at him, saying, Are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. I mean, you talk about bitterness. You know, there's a tendency the older we get and the closer we get to the grave, if we're not careful, we can just become bitter. And old. I mean, this guy's about to die. And what does he do with his dying breaths? He makes fun of the guy next to him who's about to die. Wow. 
But the other rebuked him, saying, Do you not fear God, since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we are receiving the due reward for our deeds. But this man, pointing to Jesus, has done nothing wrong. And he, that criminal, said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he, Jesus, said to him, truly, or if you're reading from the old King James, verily, are assuredly, are absolutely, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. Hi, I'm Paul Purvis, the lead pastor of Mission Hill Church right here in Tampa Bay. Thanks for taking the time to listen to today's The Barnabas Effect. It's a ministry intended to encourage, equip, and empower you may not know this, but this ministry is made possible because of the generosity of listeners like you. We are able to be on the air because listeners like you are gracious and give to this ministry. Would you consider making a gift today? It would be our honor to send you a gift, a resource, as a result of your gift of any size. And you can make that gift by going to missionhill.org and clicking on the banner that says The Barnabas Effect. That will direct you to a simple way that you can give right there online. Thanks again for listening to The Barnabas Effect today. And now we continue with our message. All right. There's one thing I want you to get. If you get this today, you got it. Here's the main thing. Jesus loves you like he loved that criminal on the cross. And what he said and what he did on that day can give you hope this day. That's a big deal. Jesus loves you just like he loved that criminal on the cross. And what he said and what he did to that criminal on that day, he says and does to and for you this day. And that gives you hope. Let's go back to the context. Jesus is, is being crucified between two criminals. Now, we're told this in Luke's gospel, but that's not a surprise because none of this was a surprise. This was part of God's sovereign plan, and that's a good place for me to stop and remind you that nothing touches your life that hasn't first filtered through the hand of God, and that should bring both comfort and sometimes questions. Our circumstances are not always good, but God is never caught off guard. God never has aha moments. He never says, I didn't see that one coming. And so we have all the Old Testament books that are pointing us to Jesus, that are reminding us of what we're reading about now. One of them is in Isaiah 53. We call this the passage of the suffering servant. And you could go this afternoon and read all of Isaiah 53 and see what it's telling us about Jesus. But in verse 12, it says this, hundreds of years before Jesus was born, and he was numbered with the transgressors, yet he bore the sin of many, and he makes intercession for the transgressors. So Isaiah told us not only was Jesus going to be hanging there with a bunch of criminals, he was going to pray for the criminals. Jesus was numbered with transgressors, 
so that you and I could be numbered with the redeemed. That's the point of this passage. Just before the moments that we've read about, there was another interaction that the Gospel of Matthew records. Let me read that to you. It's set up beginning in verse 38. Then two robbers were crucified with him, one on the right and one on the left. And and those who passed by derided him, wagging their heads. So (laughs) these are just the passerbys. They've got no skin in the game. We have no reason to think they had anything about Jesus. They're just a bunch of jerks, right? Y'all okay? I mean, that's what they are. They're wagging their heads, it says, and they're saying, you who would destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days, save yourself if you're the son of God. Come down from the cross. Now notice this. So also the chief priest with the scribes and elders mocked him, saying, He saved others. He cannot save himself. He's the king of Israel. Let him come down from the cross. We'll believe him. He trusts in God. Let God deliver him now if he desires him. For he said, I'm the son of God. So now you got some folks who do have skin in the game. They're jealous. They don't like the attention, these religious people. Jesus is proclaiming something different from what they're teaching. And a different way it says he's the way. But then you got something crazy that happens. And the robbers who were crucified with him, they also reviled him in the same way. And this is an important side lesson. Negativity is contagious. If you hang out with a bunch of gossips and bad mouths, guess what? You're probably going to become one. That's exactly what was happening. First, these people passed by just pointing out. Then the religious leaders, they thought, okay, now we got some cover. So they got in the game. And then what happened? Then the criminals, they're dying. And they start pointing, making fun, bullying Jesus. But something changed. One of the thieves, the robbers, the criminal, something changes in him. He looks at Jesus differently. And we don't know exactly why. Maybe he looked out and he saw Mary, a mother, grieving. And he saw compassion. He began to think about his mom. And it made him stop running his mouth and and start really thinking about the moment he was in. Maybe as he looked over at Jesus, he saw that sign, the king of the Jews. And as God does, sometimes instantly... He was under the conviction that there is a king that rules and reigns all that is. And and he began to see Jesus as the king in that moment. Maybe, Maybe he looked into those eyes of Jesus. Jesus, 100% human, 100% God. Eyes probably blinking a lot because of the blood that was passing through. Maybe he saw a love he had never seen. Or maybe he felt Jesus looking at him. And in that glance from Jesus, his heart changed. We we don't know why. We don't know what happened. But whatever happened, there was a change. And one of the criminals began to boldly speak out and defend Jesus and ultimately seek salvation. So understand what's happening there. Two criminals on crosses, two different people, they're all having the same experience. They were both close to Jesus. 
We call that proximity. They both heard and saw the same thing. We call that opportunity. And yet they both responded differently. And every preacher I know would say we watch that happen every single week. People come into a room and we come from different backgrounds. But we're at the same place. And we worship the same God. And we hear the same truth. And some walk out with an intent to live their life changed by the grace of God, conformed into the image of Jesus, making a difference in this community. And others leave the moment like a crumpled bulletin on their seat. They take nothing from it. And and that teaches us that proximity and opportunity do not necessarily influence destiny. What you've heard, what you've seen, where you've been does not make you what you are. You have to respond. You can be near the things of God. You can even hear the truths of God and not respond to the invitation of God. And so really what you have here is the best picture of the divisions of humanity that we have anywhere in human history. Because our biggest division is not geography. I love the fact that as we've gathered to worship today, we may have nearly 70 nations represented here. But that's not our biggest difference. Our biggest difference is not race because ultimately we really are just one race. We're the human race. And our skin colors, that's not the biggest difference that we have. Our biggest difference is not our economic background. Though there are some in this room who may be homeless, there are others who have been blessed beyond measure. Our biggest difference is not our political affiliation. Our biggest difference is which side of the cross we're on. Where we are in relation to Jesus. Which side are you on? Well, where would you have been that day? Just picture yourself in the moment for a second. Which of the criminals? If you just look back to this last week, let's just take a snapshot. Your attitude, your actions. Which of the criminals would you most likely be? Where are you today? (laughs) Truth is, we're all like these criminals on the cross. I know you don't like that, but that's what the Bible teaches. In fact, there's a a great verse in the Bible. It's Romans 3.23, and here's what it says. For all have sinned. And fallen short of the glory of God. We've missed God's intent. We've broken his law. And when you break his law, you are what? A criminal. Yeah. And so we're all in the same boat. Same circumstance in that spiritual setting. I I peeked in on our Celebrate Recovery ministry on Friday evening. What a burgeoning and growing ministry in our church and some of you misunderstand what that's about because it's not just a group who struggle with addictions and alcohol or or drugs so that's a part of it it's really a, a ministry that's designed to help us recognize that every one of us have hurts habits and hang-ups in our life that if left untouched will make us far from god 
that meets on Friday evenings. I'd love for you to be a part of that. It's free. But I love that recognition that there's something in all of us that cries out saying, man, I, I need God. Do you ever just stop and realize, man, I'm a criminal? <laughs> now, <clears throat> some of you, that means something different. <laughs> because, uh, just the facts, in the U.S., we have more people in prison than anywhere in the world except, we're number two, except Russia. So the way that plays out, either 20 or 25% of American citizens have a criminal record. And this is where you're scared to death that I'm going to say, raise your hand if that's you. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that today. You've been listening to The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis. The Barnabas Effect is here to provide listeners like you with biblical truth and spiritual encouragement. But it can't be done without your financial support. Go to missionhill.org and click on the Give tab. Your financial support helps us reach those seeking truth about God and themselves. Thank you for giving at missionhill.org. And join us weekdays at 9 a.m. for The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis on Faith Talk AM 570 and 910. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.